Hello all and welcome to another episode of The One Percenters. We only have one round left in the regular season and I'll tell you what, she's coming down to the wire. This week, I'm going to the top shelf for special comments. We've left Doss, we've left Powley, we've left Pep down the bottom and I've got one man who is uh, quite a big name in the footy podcasting world. It is the Potato Baker, otherwise known as Cam McLaughlin from the Draft Doctors. Cam, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. I have no idea how this is going to go. It could be a complete schmuzzle, and I actually want to just start with one word, if that's okay. Yep. Testicles. Oh, a lot of ruptures. A lot of ruptures. So, steel side bottom. How are you feeling about some uh, ruptured testicle today? Well, I was actually having a chat to a mate about this before, and he said he had never heard of a ruptured testicle until this year, and we've had three or four. Yeah, it's it's a it's a epidemic. I mean, <laughs> this is WHO is all over this. I yeah, I have no idea. That's uh, do you reckon it's going to impact the pies at all? Uh, you'd have to say so. There, it'll affect their outside run, uh, but. The way that Collingwood's been building that forward line with a whole heap of smalls due to the injuries of Cox and, or you'd say, the retirement of Ben Reid, they've basically got Myacek as their key forward, and the rest of them are circling around the bottom, and one of those is side bottom. So it just affects, yeah. affects structure, I think. So, look, apparently he's going in for surgery tonight. So I don't know what happens on testicle surgery. Surely, like even just stretching, I feel like you'd rip it. Like, I have to staple it back together or something, right? Well, uh, and then all apparent, of a sudden, apparently, he got kicked in the in the oh. old uh, basket. Yeah, right. Do they know who? Oh, uh, there were a few funny gags on Twitter about Goldsack, <laughs> <laughs> but I, brilliant. I'm not entirely sure. Um, well, we'll we'll kick things off, and straight off the top, you're a cat's man. I am. I'm a Cats man, diehard fan. What did you take away from the game against the Lions? Because I watched it and I'm not a supporter, so I have a different view, but I want to get yours straight off the top. Yeah, it kind of, it probably went how I thought it would go. Neither team is a high possession team anymore. So over the last maybe five, five or six rounds, the Cats possession numbers have dropped dramatically. Like significantly, it's it's almost to the point of, you know, I, they, they average somewhere around the, um, you know, they've probably dropped about 20%. Yeah. Round and round. And, you know, that for me is indicative of a massive change in either confidence or game plan. And I actually think, you know, the way they performed against the Lions wasn't indicative of what we're going to see in the finals. In the finals, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, what I got from it is they're still tinkering with their lineup and they're still tinkering with their game plan to get things right because they're so far ahead. Like they've walked away at a home final, right? So why bother trying to, to win when you can actually just learn? I think to be honest, it's been a, a, it was a good week. Yeah. And do you think it's now time for teams to move that tag away from Tim Kelly and put it back on Dangerfield? Because Kelly had 26 Dangerfield. He was the second most prolific ball winner for the Cats. Danger had 36 and was pivotal in the performance from Geelong on the weekend. Do you think that teams need to start going to Danger? Probably not. I mean, is he the game winner? Maybe, but he, he really needs that compliment around him. And as soon as you take Tim Kelly out, the Cats, like, if you take the start of the season Cats when no one was tagging Tim Kelly, 
they were unbeatable and they would yeah. have trounced uh the lions this weekend if they you know if he wasn't tagged but you let danger run free and it's kind of like eh. yeah you know, he, he's yeah. he's so damaging but he's just not unfortunately for the cats he, he can't carry the team on his shoulders and in that game on the weekend we saw three of the top four uh favorites for the brown low which was Lockie neil danger is now at 350 and tim kelly do you think that one of those guys could actually win it or are you going with the the, the tried and true nathan fife oh uh, look I want Danger to win. I actually want Michael Walters to get up, but uh, and it, I threw a fiver on him at eighty bucks. Uh, yeah, so that would be a ripper. But yeah, probably Nat Fife at this stage. He's just so so good. There was some stuff that he did in the weekend, and you're just like, how can he even do that? That's yeah. brilliant. He's a, he is a freak. Um, on the other side, the Brisbane Lions. Were you impressed? Were you a little bit underwhelmed? Like, how do you no, how that... do you read into that? I was impressed again by Jared Lyons. He's yeah. just, he's, after the first 10 rounds, he's really fit into the mould of the team. He's got his role. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's just cleaning up at the moment. And it really sort of makes the Lions more damaging, given that Lockie Neal gets tagged week in, week out. So they've got someone who can substitute in and basically play the same role. And they got him for free. Like, I, I just, it's a, the way they have adjusted to a Lockie Neal tag is what's impressed me the most. When I personally look at Brisbane, I think that they have two avenues to goal, realistically. One of them is the the ability for their midfielders to kick goals, like your Zorkos, um, your Neals, McCluggage. They all chime in quite regularly. Yep. The other one is yeah. Charlie Cameron. And yes. if you can stop Charlie Cameron, in my opinion, you stop Brisbane. Oh, that's a big call. I, I just don't think that Hipwood, McInerney, and uh, Link the Stink will be able to kick a kick a massive score in finals. If you can shut down Charlie Cameron, I feel that's a way to stop Brisbane. It's a it's a way to prevent them getting a big score. I still think with you're right though in regards to the spread, um, and you can still kick a good score with maybe nine people getting on the scoreboard, right? So. I, I think they would rely more on the spread rather than just focusing on Charlie Cameron because it, he's really, really bloody damaging. But is he going to kick six every week? Probably not. Oh, recent recent form suggests that he's pretty close to it. Is he? What, what's he oh, done in the last few well, rounds? Well, he's, he's gone five. I think he's, he's continually stacking on bags of five. And that's enough for a team like Brisbane to be able to sort of stem the flow. Like, he's he's kicked 52 goals for the season. Yeah, which is outstanding. Like, no one yeah. would have predicted that at the start of the season. Uh, but you've got to yeah. remember, I guess, the teams he's come up against, right? Like, until this week, or last, the week just gone, it was bottom eight sides, wasn't it? So, the Suns yeah. in 21. Was That's fair. Talking, yeah. The Suns in 21. Who have you got before that? Uh, they had Dogs. Um, the doggies, which is a good a good win. They had the hawks before that. Then they had north. Yeah, well, it's a, bags of five are great teams yeah. that they were up against. Probably not so good. And first going, I'm going to look forward here. First week of finals. Let's assume Geelong stay in the top four, which I think they will. Yep. Uh, who do you want to come up against? Like realistically. And let's let's take home ground advantage out of it. A team on a neutral ground, let's say you're playing in Canberra, for example. 
what team do you want to come up against? It's probably the Pies at the moment. Yeah. I, I think the Pies have been terrible for the last probably six weeks. Um, they've started to show some good signs in the last maybe two, but it's it hasn't been anywhere near the lofty heights of the first four rounds of the year. Um, they're easily the weakest team in the top four. Lions, very strong. I, I think that Geelong would play a different game plan against them in the finals, as I was saying before, but the Lions will still be very competitive. The Eagles are dangerous and very, you know, on the East Coast, very underrated. Uh, and I would hate to verse them at any point early in the final series. Yep. The Pies, it's kind of like, eh. You can take them. Yeah. I, I mean, they are Geelong's bogey team, though. Like, we have had a bad run over the last three or four years against the Pies, unfortunately. But I feel like we've got the number. I feel like any of the top eight have probably got the Pies number at the moment. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I ventured down to the G for West Coast Richmond, and I'm going to... I know I'm a West Coast supporter, and I may be a little bit biased in this regard, but I think West Coast take more out of the win, uh, out of the loss to Richmond than Richmond do in winning. Do you sort of agree with that in a sense that if the rain holds off, West Coast win by six goals? And Can you walk me, walk me through it? What What's... What makes you think that they got more out of it? Well, firstly, I think West Coast structurally was terrible after halftime. Quarter time, even. They were terrible. They, instead of having an extra off the back of the pack and uh, off the ball like Richmond did, they had the extra around the stoppage. And in hindsight, against Richmond, that's not great because then you just bomb it down Dylan Grimes' throat. And yeah. I, I personally think that role at Richmond, it's the Rance role, but now Grimes has taken it on. It's the easiest role in football, okay? It's whoever <laughs> plays that role is overrated, okay? Grimes, okay, he's a fantastic defender. In that position, though, I, you or I could go out there and do it. Stand 30, oh, yeah. stand 30 metres off the back, get a little bit cold, be able to... West Coast just... Andrew Gaff, who's not a penetrating kick by any stretch kicks it hurriedly on the boot, straight down his throat. Like, it's not you're a hard su- roll. You're suggesting that anyone that is moderately tall has an AFL career? Essentially. Yeah, well, it's fair. Anyone over the height of 185 <laughs> centimetres that is yeah. relatively well-built and has some form of aerobic fitness is Can playing play AFL. Correct, yeah. for, for Richmond. Okay. <laughs> I personally think... Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sound like a bitter supporter and I sound um, a, a little bit resentful after the weekend. I think West Coast is a better team than Richmond, even on the MCG. I think if it stays dry, Richmond don't have the ability to drop that man off the back of the pack because West Coast have put an extra around the stoppage. It just... It just I can't fathom any other day that's not... That weather, West Coast losing. I I love that. So before we start recording, you're sort of like, I'm not a one-eyed supporter. Yes, I, I know that. Yeah. definitely sounds like a one-eyed supporter view. But that being said, I agree with it completely. I think that West Coast, uh, you know, the conditions weren't right. But you can't, I guess, just back on conditions to win the footy, right? Like there was, you need to be prepared for all conditions. And, I, and to be honest, going into... September, they're going to potentially struggle if 
the rumours are true and Mark Hutchings is potentially out for the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, it's been confirmed he's out for three. Oh, he's got oofed. That's Hammy, redone. So yeah, he, he, well, he, won't, he won't play again for the year. Oh. No, he'll play play last round of finals, maybe. He might play the granny. Oh, but but you, can, you, can you bring in you, an underdone player, though? Oh, it's risky. Granny. But yeah. 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 I probably would. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's, it's a tough one, but it's... um. Yeah, if you it depends who you're playing. If West Coast come up against Collingwood, you bring him in and you just throw him on the injured side bottom. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. but no, uh, it it is a tough one, and I think uh, uh, it, it it is tough. Can you imagine ripping or re-ripping a testicle in the grand final? <laughs> it it's not it's not something you want to think about. You but, line up against Mark Hutchings and. <laughs> Just like, and ah, you've ah, gone. Ah, oh, I've overstretched here. There yeah. is, there is it all. It's all out in the middle of the MCG on there grand final day. Testicle is on the field. When coaches say put your ball on balls on the line, you've quite literally <laughs> done it. It's um, yeah. it is an interesting one. And do you think Richmond are the team to beat at the moment? Oh, it's hard to deny. They're so strong at the moment. They, you could argue that again. Dimmer was maybe trialing some different things earlier in the year, which led to a few suboptimal results. But, man, they are just on a tear. Shades of um, the grand final year. How, how do you stop them? I, I genuinely... I watch them, and I don't know how you would deploy a defence against that. Uh, yeah, it is tough. Four-quarter defence against them. Uh, a question I will pose to you, though. Uh, has Basha Hooley ever had a hardball get? <laughs> I don't know. There were a couple of seasons ago, and Andrew Gaff hadn't had one, so no, that no, that's one hundred percent correct. And Gaff polled <laughs> yeah. quite well in the Brownlow, but it's uh, yeah. it's probably not the same uh, with Basher. No, ba- Basher's had had a, a relatively soft year, but he's had a good year. He's in the right positions all the time, and it's probably career year for him. And he'll he he he's on the what is he getting thirty one or thirty two? Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd be early thirties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's on the probably on the downhill after this year, but I mean, looks good. Great beard. Oh, fantastic beard. You know how every player has... You could say they have a trademark. Dusty's got his fend-off. Uh, Liam Ryan's got his, his marking ability. Basher Hooley, you'd say he's got the long down the line. Yeah. I was having a think back with one of my mates the other day about uh, Harry O'Brien, formerly known as Harry O'Brien, now Heretia Lumumba. Remember how he just used to do those really high strides with the ball sort of in front of his chest and then just kick up and unders to 35 out. Yeah. And just, and he, and like when he kicks it, it's like you'd see him cross his fingers and go, come on, Travis Cloak, use your glove to full effect. He was, ugh, I don't want to hit a guy while he's down because he did go through some stuff at the end of his career. But yeah, he did. Yeah, he was, um, he wouldn't be my first choice player. Off a halfback flank? No. On on my team at all. You take on the bench. Oh wow, wow we. Yeah. Uh, yesterday the uh, and I should say for all our listeners, we are recording this on a Wednesday evening. Uh, yesterday Ross Lyon got the uh, yeah. the big sack from Frio. Mm. What did you make of it? And do you think he's going to get another gig ever? Or I don't. I. It's really hard to tell who does the recruiting. Like. There is a lot of weight sometimes behind different coaches and their ability to influence the recruiting they need for their structure. 
And then there are other coaches that generally opt out that say, I don't want to deal with list management at all. And I'm happy for someone to come in and manage that a la Stephen Silvani yep. at Carlton. At Carlton. So, and I, I don't know how much influence he had over list management at Frio, but you look at their list and it is toilet level. Like well, there Ed, is... Ed Langdon will leave. Yep, he's gone. Brad Hill. Brad Hill. Go. Um, so you've got, a, you know, Chera, you've got Brayshaw, you've got... Blakely. Bla- yeah, if he gets in... And now he will, right? Midfield time. Mid. Yeah, but it's... But is that the earliest more midfield time that we've ever seen? At the end of a fantasy football season, we've heard more midfield time for next year already. I think that's amazing. For Connor Blakely. For Connor Blakely. I've got my grand final this week in draft, and Blakely is currently on my bench. And it, and I'm flipping a coin between him and Hunter Clark for the on-field spot. Who else you got? That's a strong lineup. Uh, my back line is Jack Crisp, Brandon Ellis, Daniel Rich, and then either Blakely or Hunter Clark on-field. Wow. Right. Yeah. Tough choice. I guess wait until the teams, the teams are announced. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Blakely, like, what do you do with the rest of the list? Like, who do you bring in? Who are you targeting? Clearly, they've gone after Tim Kelly already uh, with news coming out this week that they've met with him, I think, while he was over there. And maybe it's more attractive to him now that Ross is gone. But I don't know. Like, if I wanted to win flags in the next five years, why would you go there? Like, but, I just... Yeah. It's it's not what? something... Like, when, a t- when someone wants to go home, back to Perth... They're not jumping, going, please, Freo, Freo, Freo. It's what happened with Tim Kelly last year when he said, I mm. will only go to West Coast. Why, why, do you, why do you think that is? With West Coast compared to Fremantle? Yeah. I, I can't put my finger on it, but I have a, a feeling that West Coast is one of the more powerful clubs in the AFL. Well, we know that as a fact. But in terms of structure, uh, continuity, and consistency... I'd say West Coast is the team that consistently performs. You never see them down the bottom. They've mm. got enough money to keep developing and developing. And they're such a big name in Perth that you'd also think uh, the current players who are who are in the league are born in the mid-90s to early 2000s. Yep. West Coast started dominating when they were about six or seven and they've ne- never really had a down period. Yeah. They're the biggest club in Western Australia. They're the first club in Western Australia. It's no different to players going to, I don't know, Brisbane and wanting to play for the Lions instead of Gold Coast or going yeah. to Sydney Sydney and going to Sydney instead of GWS. Okay, so you're, so you're suggesting that the first thing you need to do as a new mentor at Fremantle is change that perception. You need to create an identity. Yeah, Because at the moment... The Frio identity was built on Matthew Pavlich, Peter Bell, David Mundy. Mundy, yep. I don't know if he's going to go on next year. He he probably has a year left in him, but maybe yeah. only 15 games. I think he kind of has to now. Uh, yeah. If Brad Hill and Langdon are going. And the thing that I was... Oh, I haven't said this on the show, but what I was really talking to my a couple of my friends about was... Before Paddy Cripps re-signed with Carlton, Frio should have been throwing the kitchen sink at him. Quite seriously, and have Fife and Cripps and try and develop 
some form of culture and identity that you can sort of rest on for the next 20 years. West Coast did that with uh, with Judd. Oh, I know that era wasn't great. You can't say they built a great culture. But after that, they had Darren Glass worked his ass off. Uh, Dean Cox worked so hard. And then probably the most underrated Brownlow medalist of all time, Matt Pritis, a bloke who led the league in tackles. Well, still, well, he's probably the leading tackler of all time. It, they, they built a hard-nosed image that got them to a grand final in 2015. He's surely not the leading tackler of all time. I reckon, uh, while, while you have a chat about Freo, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, okay. So well, I was trying to have a think about what we would, for the money, I'm going to say Andrew Swallow is most tackler of all time. Uh, wow, Ross, yeah, maybe. So day one at Frio, build a culture. Day two at Frio, what do you do with the list? Like, who are you targeting in the off-season? There's so many big names available. And he's not, like, we know Steve Canelio is from Perth. Like, he's WA. Yes, he and is. And yet they're not even in the frame for that. Like, at the moment, we're hearing talk about Carlton. We're hearing talk about the Hawks. He may even stay in Sydney. Could stay in Sydney if if Gillen gets his way. But yeah. what? Like, why? Why are we not hearing anything about Frio trying to lure him on massive money? Because that's what they need. Like Nat Five is at the moment carrying the entire team on his shoulders. Yeah, give the guy some like in and under support. Yeah, I, it, they brought in Reese Conker. Oh my god! I don't. That was. That's just. I can't get my head around that. I have got the most tackles of all time here. You've oh, said. You've said Andrew Swallow. Yeah. Uh, oh, he he has a total of 1,480 tackles in his career. That oh, puts him at number one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list. Whoa. The number one tackler of all time, Matthew Prittis. Oh, man. Followed by Joel Selwood and then Lenny Hayes. Huh. Pretty good top three. Um, but in relation to Frio, they they have money to burn, surely. They've, they, they must have front-ended the deal of Fife to be able to have so much cash. So you'd, you'd assume that they front-ended Fife and Walters. They've got... You'd have to say that Joel Hamling's on a bit of coin if they've or brought him over. You'd say maybe. 500. Yeah, and Hogan will be on a bit. Oh, of course. I forgot that they had him. Jesse Hogan. Cam um, McCarthy. Uh, he'll be on change, for the, sure. The lobster. The, <laughs> the crab. The, the, the crab. I love the crabiner. Um, he would still be on pittance. I, I think there's probably maybe four or five players in that team that are on decent coin. Everyone else will be on mid to low. And but so they, they they've have, got money. They should have cash. Yeah, for sure. Cash coming out the wazoo. So who do you target? Like I, I reckon Caniglia number one. Uh, they Sean Darcy's going to be a good ruckman, so you don't need to worry about your rucks. You've got Alex Pierce and Joel Hamling down back, which is, I think, quite sound. Then, then you've got Luke Ryan and uh, Blakely maybe off half back. I Nathan think Wilson. Nathan, Nathan Wilson, yeah, players like that. So your back line's pretty sound. Frio don't concede massive scores. You need to... Oh, their, their midfield is Fife. It is Fife, and they have to put Walters in there but you want Walters up forward. Yeah. Uh, you need Cornelio, but he's not going to Perth. He's going to Melbourne. Yeah, it's bizarre. Is there Are there any other inside mids, like really strong inside mids available? 
I think it's been outside mostly, hasn't it? It's mainly all outside. Like, you, unless you're poaching someone from West Coast, mm. which would be a massive coup in itself. I don't think... Have, I can't even think of a West Coast player or Fremantle player that switched sides. Oh, it, you get thrown in the bin. It's like, like it's like jumping from Port Adelaide to Adelaide. It's like jumping from Liverpool to Everton. Oh, in the EPL, in, you just wouldn't do it. Imagine walking into a Merseyside derby the week after you've just switched <laughs> from the Reds to Everton. You're playing at Anfield. It would you'd, you'd get stabbed. Legitimately, can't think of a worse experience. <laughs> That's chaos. It would almost yeah. That that is probably the worst thing you could possibly do. Uh, so enough. Yeah. yeah. No, and go for I'm it. Just thinking. Probably enough about Fremantle and Western teams. Yes. We, we, <laughs> let's let's come back to the East. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, it's um it's not been great hunting the last few weeks for the Dons or the Ds. Mm. I know the Dons had a win against a Western team, but let's go to the Ds. We'll go straight to the Ds. Do you think they go back up the ladder next year? I can't figure out why they would. It was last year an anomaly, or was this year an anom- anom- anomaly? An anomaly. An anomaly. Um, I I have. Oh, I would think it would be last year. Is my guess, and only because they like their fitness. You can sort of understand at the start of the season being underdone coming in because of the amount of surgeries they had in the off season, right? People started back, uh, didn't get full pre-seasons in, and therefore were very unfit coming into the season. Yeah. But we are at round 22, 23. Three. How, you're not unfit anymore. You've been playing every week, and you're still butchering the football and getting the basics wrong. Exhibit A, like, Angus, Brank, uh, Angus Brachel? He just butchers it often. Like, he... You know, lots of talk in the fantasy circles about, you know, what happened to Angus? Why is he sort of falling off a cliff? Yeah. Actually, he's, he just hasn't been a good player this year. No. Even though he's been thrown around in different roles, when he gets the ball, he butchers it. You know, what do you expect the coach to do? Like, give him more time the ball? Oh, you probably can't do that. You can't. He's been terrible. It's... Yeah. So, I, I find it hard to believe that they will come back into the eight next year. I can understand why people would think they would because they've still got a young list. They can have a great off season. They can focus on the basics and get a good game plan. But I just, from what they've shown late in the year, I just don't think they can. I don't think the list is as good as it was hyped up to be. And I'm, they have no key forward. Like, yeah. get a key forward. I've got an unpopular view here. And oh, I goodness. Th- I know, I know. I think Clayton Oliver has Uh-oh. surpassed Josh Jenkins as the most overrated player in the AFL. Josh Jenkins. He's not an AFL he, player anymore. He's a Sandsville su- player. Are you suggesting that he he's an overrated AFL player? Who, Josh Jenkins? Yeah. Yes. He's like the most... Un- he's, he's not rated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but people say he's an AFL player, therefore uh-huh. he's overrated. I get jokes. Yeah, jokes. You, you got me now. Jokes. But Clayton, jokes. Clayton Oliver, I think Melbourne would be a better team without Clayton Oliver. Jeez, that's that is unpopular. What? Why do you say that? What does he do with the ball? Seriously, it's he handballs cons- constantly. It's like move the ball forward. I I hate this stat, 
but I'm going to use it. It's meters gained. Okay. I, I, I hate this stat. But Clayton Oliver, I'm going to have a guess and say Clayton Oliver for the average disposal, he would be in one of the uh, the lowest average meters gained. And then you can throw in the, yes, Tom Mitchell doesn't have meters gained. He has assisted meters gained. Yeah. But with Melbourne's game style, Oliver gives it back to Viney, Brayshaw, or uh, who's the other bloke that they throw in there? Jaden Hunt. And they kick sideways. Assisted meters gained, not there. He gives away yeah, right. five free kicks a game. He doesn't impact the scoreboard enough. I just, I don't think he's that good. I think there's one skill that, look, it, it is, it's part role, but it's also just part nous, and that's the ability to find the ball. Like, yeah. you wouldn't consider Matt Crouch being the best footballer in the world, but man, he can find the ball. Same with Clayton Oliver, he can find it, and he does dish it out okay. Like, he gets the ball, when, when Gorn taps it to him and he handballs it off, it's generally pretty clean. Like, he goes all right, then the game plan to spread it wide is where... He, you know, that whole setup basically completely falls over. And the fact that they haven't changed that all year um, is telling, I guess, of the lack of... They, they've phoned it in after about eight eight rounds, I'd suggest. Um, but probably, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think he's underrated or overrated. I think he's probably about right. He's a very, very good inside mid who doesn't kick the ball. I'll, I'll, I'm going to pose this question to you. Who would you rather, Matt Crouch or Clayton Oliver in your team? Jeez. Did you see the effort that was posted on Twitter the other day of Matt Crouch waddling around? Oh, yes. So on that alone, Clayton Oliver. Although Matt Crouch, I'm a massive fan. He's had a stinking year. I have have him in every form of fantasy. Ouch. Yeah. That effort was just poor. And like he only plays like 70, 75% time on ground every week. And then he's waddling around while he's on the ground. It's like, man, at least put some effort in. Speaking of crows and crouches, mm. do Adelaide trade Brad? Oh, see, that could be a good option for... He'd want to go back to Melbourne. He would. Would but be my suggestion, but he that enjoys would be a playing good option. With I, I think they'd stay together. I just don't... Unless they're both going. Like, I find it really hard to believe that he would leave the crows. Yeah, I just think that Adelaide will clear clear out this year. Jenkins will go. I have a feeling Sauce Jacobs goes to the Gold Coast. They'll make a big play at Brody Grundy. They'll ship off Brad Crouch as a part of that. Riley O'Brien might even go to Collingwood. You never know. Jeez. Riley O'Brien, surely not to Collingwood. Well, they've re-signed. They, they did a contract extension on him, but I think that was just to get a little bit of currency. No way. The currency is playing Source Jacobs late in the season. They're trying yeah. to prove that he's still got worth, right? And then I think it's a double chop out. Who do they bring in? So they no, so they chop out Source Jacobs to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Riley O'Brien goes to Collingwood with maybe a pick swap. And then Brody Grundy goes to Adelaide. Wow, that's a huge call. Yeah, it, it is. And I've got a funny feeling that then Brad Crouch will end up somewhere like I don't know, maybe Geelong. A, a North Melbourne or Geelong, yeah. We'll take him at Geelong. But I think we're already going to get Jack Stevens, so we don't really need another mid. But yeah, I, that would be massive, actually. I hadn't thought about the Riley O'Brien as part of a pick swap 
for Grundy. Yeah. It's pretty big. Oh, sorry. And, and Source Jacobs isn't going to Gold Coast. He's going to GWS. Sorry. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I got that, that one makes wrong because they won't replace Wits with Source Jacobs. It was... Um, oh. They'll, they'll, they'll replace um, Mumford and uh, the bloke who retired this week, Dawson Simpson. Dawson Simpson. Did you see the announcement regarding Dawson Simpson going to play country football? I did not see that. It was like some country league second division that was saying, we have signed for next season Dawson Simpson on a lucrative deal he is a consistent AFL footballer who played 50 games at the elite level. And there's nothing elite about Dawson Simpson. Yeah. Oh, we hated him at the Cats. Like, he was hot garbage at the Cats when he played there. And there's a reason we traded him, right? But then again, we've got about a billion rucks and all of them are pretty much hot garbage. So, Who, who is your ruck next year, do you reckon? Oh, Stanley? Pr- probably Blixarves. Oh, so Stanley's not going to get a game. I just... He's not good. He's not a good tap ruck. He doesn't contest well enough. Can't. He's barely good at pinch hitting forward. I think this the the new role of a a backman that can pinch hit in the ruck is going to take a lot of shape next year. It, it makes so much sense, and uh, it's worked a lot with Blixards in the last probably three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon it'll be maybe a new trend. Wow, that's a hot take. Yeah, hot take. Um, now, I, I want to get your thought on Hawthorne for next season. I know we're looking forward a little bit, but the the makeup of their midfield, they'll have Mitchell back. They have the Warpedo, who's currently tearing it up. They've yep. got Chad Wingard, who's found a little bit of form. They've got an aging Liam Shields. They've got a, a relatively good young brigade and sort of James Cousins and uh, I've forgotten the other bloke's name, Morrison. What do you yeah. what do you reckon their midfield looks like next year with Titch coming back? Well, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, as a, as yeah. a base point, I, yeah. I think that's pretty strong. And Liam Shields, how old is he now? He's got to be. He'd be he's thirty two, maybe. I think you would be wrong. Really, twenty eight. So oh, he's actually wow. he's got a couple of good years left in him. It's I think Isaac Smith is maybe a little bit older. Yeah. But, you know, they've got a great list. Warpedo's going to go massive next year. He's There's a, a you know some talk about, you know, Titch is going to come back. He, uh, Warpedo's going to take a, a less role in that midfield. But I would suggest they're both just going to be bulls. And you and expect, like, Wingard to go forward? No, Wingard will be in there. I think Shields, Wingard, and Isaac Smith are going to be your outside runners. And you'll have two bulls on the inside. It's going to be actually really interesting to watch the mix, but that should be a really successful unit. There's no reason why that's not one of the best units in in the game. I want to get a fantasy take from you. What yep. will Tom Mitchell average next year with the uh, the prominence of the Warpedo now? Well, we t- we talked about this on the draft doctors the other night, and it yeah. was sort of you know, there's a lot of argument on Twitter to say that actually Warpedo, you know, he, he takes probably a 10 point knock. That's exactly um, what I thought. But think about it the other way. It's probably Titch that takes a 10 point knock. He was scoring so massively in his last season. He was like, there was a period where he was averaging 140. Yes. In fantasy. That was and that's silly. Just, so maybe he comes back 10 or even 15 and Warpedo continues his rise from hundred to 110. That's, 
probably evens it out with the rest of the competition. You don't have this Titch outlier anymore. He's still big, but you know, Warpet, there's no reason to think that in his third third year, yeah, third, third year. year next year, that he won't just improve. You know, we, we, we yeah. talk about third year breakout all the time. Why is he's broken out at year two? He's for sure going bigger. Well, we actually removed the captaincy rule in draft because of Titch. Yeah, okay. We were close in my league. Um, we ended up keeping it because the two years that the Titch player made the grand final, they lost. Um, oh, so yeah. we ended up keeping it every year. That's yeah. not too bad. Now, there's a weekly segment on the uh, the one percenters. It's called The Big Calls. And Cam, I'll fill you in on this. It's uh, where the panel members will go through and uh, bring up a big call or something that's outrageous, way out of left field for the week's uh, matches coming up. I think my big call was two new coaches would be named in the next 14 days. Uh, we only had one because Who? Lyon was sacked. Were so you thinking Pike? I thought Pike would go as well. Okay. I thought it was either... It was a toss of a coin between... Uh, Pike, if they had an absolutely shocking loss, or if uh, big Johnny Warsfold lost by 50 or more to Freo. Okay. So, this week, have you have you got a big call ready to go? Oh, look, I've had a think, but it's not as deep as that. It's more about wins and losses. Yep, and I've got two, it. I reckon. Yeah. So, GWS to go 200 on the Suns. Wow. And Carlton to beat the Cats. Yeah, that's... At GMHBA, that's a big win. It's a big win, but, you know, I just, I've got this feeling that the Cats are, again, doing a little bit of tinkering, and yep. they're okay with losing the next game. Like, yeah, I, I would suggest that there may be some rests. There may be... Um, there's a, a number of reasons why Carlton might get up. I'm just having a look at the GWS recent games against Gold Coast, and they have not been close. It's <laughs> so like... is that even outrageous then? Or are we expecting it? Has there been a 200 game this year? Uh, closest one, I reckon... 170, wasn't there? Or 180? Oh, something ridiculous. That would have been against Freo. No, it wouldn't have been against Freo. But whatever it was, I'm... my big call was actually going to be Gold Coast to beat GWS, but I'm not going to go that now. <laughs> Because GW and I can see your logic, right? GWS has been great yeah. since uh, Cogs went out, right? So they've gone. They just beat Port Adelaide. They what was the round after that? They just beat the Swans, who have been terrible all year. They got flogged by Hawthorne, and then they got flogged by the Dogs. So I can see where you're coming at with that. Mm. But the Suns are really, really bad. Really bad. They are like. Under twelves level, you know, <laughs> throw oh out throw God. out a rep squad and they beat them type of stuff. I reckon if you put the Southport Sharks out, they'd beat them. Southport Sharks, wow, that yeah, that's grim kneeful type stuff. Oh, it's terrible, and it, I think it's hilarious, right? So from a Suns perspective, how many players have left, gone to another club, and then been like dragged over the coals because of how terribly they're prepared for a season? Like, that is so indicative of the culture and even just the training resume at Gold Coast and just how bad they are. Well, like, it's... Yeah. It, that's performance, right? That's an indicative problem and, and a, a, 
fundamental problem with their performance program. Well, Alex Rance said, oh, I hate Alex Rance, but Alex Rance said it at the start of the year regarding Tom Lynch. He said, his leading patterns are so off, his game smarts are so off, the only thing that gets him through is raw talent. Yep. And, I've, and then, I've, I've paraphrased that, but that's the and, crux of it. And then switch to Stephen May, right? Who loves a beer, yeah. Loves a beer, but he was adequate at Gold Coast. Yeah. And then he arrives at Melbourne, and they're like, he is so underdone. He's just not ready for AFL football. And then you look at him throughout the year, and he's had a terrible injury-plagued year, but... You know, if that's indicative of the level of um, quality and performance that they're training um, at in on the Gold Coast, of course they're shit. Of course they're shit. Yeah. Well, I I've changed my big call now, and uh, Benny Brown kicked ten last week. He's going goalless this week against the D's. He's not kicking a sausage roll. He is. Wow. He's, he's not gonna. He's not gonna get near it. He's got big Stephen May on him. I reckon. Be, oh no, he's out. Stephen May's out. Shit. Stephen May's out. Not call stance. Call stance. Call stance. I'll, I'll stand by it. He's probably gonna have Oscar McDonald on him, but that's okay. Well, oh, that's the dumbest. No, the, the worst call of the year was when I said West Coast would beat Port Adelaide by a hundred, and then they lost by forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> now GWS is going to lose to the Suns by 200. Because <laughs> you've said that they're going to put 200 yeah. up on them. Oofed. Now, before we uh, we wrap this up, I'm just going to get a couple of uh, predictions for you for the year. We've got Fife as your Brownlow. Yep. I'm assuming you're going to say Sam Walsh as your rising star. Oh, I think it's so tight. Between the stack men? I think stack Walsh and Jordan Clark. From very long. He's had a ripper year, man. He's been very, very, very consistent. But I'll say Sam Walsh because he's a he's a weapon. Okay. Who's going to win the flag? Tigers. Oh, I don't. I don't like that. I really yeah. don't. I really don't like that. Yeah. If you have the number one pick in your draft next year, who are you taking? Geez, I haven't even looked to be honest at the the rookies. No, 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 no. no. In your fantasy draft. Oh, right. Brody you take, you're taking Grundy? Yep. Doesn't ruin your structure? No, I, I think it was a misnomer to think it ruined your structure this year. He's been as good as a midfielder, and then you can take two key mids after that. Like, I think it's, yeah, Sound. bit of a mistake. Oh, wow. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about that. I just thought you go, oh, my first pick was Jake Lloyd, but what do I know? Um, and then my last question for you, where was it? Oh, here it is. Will the AFL Grand Final Entertainment be adequate? <laughs> adequate. Adequate. Uh, oof. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who's bar. performing. I don't know who's performing. That is a very high bar. Um, yeah, I don't think it will. Prediction is no. No. Uh, it's always shite. Who yes. was it last year? Who they have? Oh, I, I, the only one I know is the best person they had was Lionel Richie. Oh yeah, that was for and the replay. They, well, they had the killers a couple of years ago. They were quite that, good, actually. Yeah, that's that's pretty handy. They they have Mike Brady there every year. Up there, Bring Rick Astley for never going to give you up. <laughs> grand final. Oh shit! I forgot the listener questions. Hang on one second. I'm going to get these up. Here we go. 
Sorry, I completely forgot about our listeners. It's just so rude of me. Uh, question here from <laughs> Rat underscore Gaming, who just loves asking questions, apparently. Oh. Is Dylan Grimes a lock for the All-Australian team? I'm not answering not- this question. You can. Oh, I'm not answering this question. You can. No, I, uh, I, I hate Grimes, so I'm biased. I'm going to say yes. And only because... Okay, two things. He's had a great year. He's one of the under, most underrated players in the AFL, I think. And he wore a Batman mask for a fair while. So, Batman mask in the All-Australian. Lock it in. And our last question is from Pat the Diddler Dennis. He asks... Diddler? Yeah, the Diddler. Weekly, weekly sends in questions, this man. He is... Uh, I would describe him as an Essendon Nuffy. Okay. Yep. Sounds Nuffy. Uh, yeah, very Nuffy, Nuffy the diddler. Uh, he asks, will John Worsfold be coach of Essendon at the end of next year? Well, he'd know, wouldn't he? He's the Essendon Nuffy. Yeah. Um, well, I, the, uh, Nuff, Nuffies <laughs> get all their information off Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I think he will. I, they've had a pretty horrid year, but I think he will. I reckon Zach Merritt will come back looking like he swallowed a small family once again. What? He you came, reckon? He comes back fat every year. Yeah, he, he's he been been a bit over. Um, a bit? No, I, I, yeah, just a bit. He, look, he hasn't been um, Stephen May over. He's been... Oh, no. No one's coming back looking like the Michelin Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. uh, Ken? Yep. Thank you very much for joining us. No probs. Thanks for having me. Uh, would you like to plug your socials? Oh, yeah. So at the Potato Bake on the Twits. And always get around the Draft Doctors. We've got plenty of off-season content coming. Um, we go year-round. So yeah. get into it. Your, uh, your number one article, the injury update with Cam, won't be up in the off-season. No, and I've actually dropped it. It's probably getting dropped to the twos next year. Oh, the magoos. And um, we're gonna we're gonna try a little bit of data stuff. Oh, so I like we, that. Yeah, watch this space, but we're gonna try and figure out a few different insights using some advanced techniques with data. Oh, I love that. So uh, keep tuned, guys, to the the draft doctors and at the potato bake. If you do want to get in contact with us, we are at the one percenters or myself at Spaco four five three. Cam, thank you very much. Legend.